Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are in episode 82 and yeah. part three of our Level Up Review. Yeah, part three of our uh, 10x rule by Grant Cardone. Um, and we're we finishing ten, it. We're we, going to finish yeah, it today. We 10x this Level Up Review. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we're, we should actually go 10 more episodes. We said it was no. going to take two. So we're going to do this in 20 episodes. To cover it thoroughly. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, by that time, I think we'll have like 10 listeners for the 20th episode. Because yeah. here's what's happening. So with this book, there are some valuable insights if you go to the end, which we're going to talk about today. But, you know, you kind of get the gist, I would say, in the beginning. And then he elaborates on it. And there's good stuff. So if you picked up the book and you only read like the first 10 chapters, I encourage you to read it through. And I would say towards the end, we'll talk about that. I don't know how many does he have. He has about like 30, 30 different items. Like, yeah. I mean, it really, I, I kind of say like, it's, it's just a, a re-explanation of everything he talked about before, just more condensed and concise, but yeah, like 30 different things that are keys of successful people as opposed to people who are unsuccessful. Well, I think it's if, let's say you did like a Google search, how to be successful and every keyword that would show up on that Google search, like he broke down into 30 something different items. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, all right. With that, yeah, is a sense of let's get moving. All right. Let's do this. So where are we, Mike? So um, we are, we're picking up on chapter 13 and we're just going to kind of uh, go through this. If you haven't listened to our first two episodes, I would highly recommend you go back and do that. Even if you didn't read the book, because uh, honestly, there's a lot of key takeaway things that I was able to get from this. One of the things we talked about um, last time, and I'm interested to see, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. Uh, but did you write down your goals every you day? Like I told you to, at least one goal. We, like we agreed you to told it. me to. We agreed to. Yeah, yeah now, that's what I. I did think about this five days ago, and I thought I should start writing my goals because I'm pretty sure Mike hasn't. And uh, yeah, I didn't do it. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. You did, I did every it. day, every day. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I just, I, I, I guess I don't have that discipline. And it works. It, it works. It worked. I mean, I mean, it worked in the sense of now where your goals. Gordon Crank, Grant Cardone, unrealistic goals? No. Okay. So I, I, that wasn't part of the agreement. I didn't say it had to be that crazy, but I did set a goal. And, and part of it is I, you know, life is different now, a little more busy with, you know, having a family and job and all these things that I don't get to read as much as I'd like to. Um, I do lots of podcasts for like educational reasons and like self-improvement and all of that, but like actual sit down and reading, like, intellectually stimulating material hasn't been, I haven't been able to make a lot of time for that. So every night before I'd go to bed, I'd write down tomorrow. I'm going to read. I didn't do it. The Grant Cardone style of like I, I read for 45 minutes, but I would just be like, I will read for 45 minutes. And, and I did it. I woke up a half hour earlier and I read for a half hour. And then at night after my son went to bed, I'd read for another 15, 20 minutes and, and it worked. So part of it was because every night I'd write that down. And if I hadn't read, the 45 minutes is like, well, I guess I better read because, you know, I wrote that down. So it does keep it in the forefront of your mind that, that you know, you've got something. Because if I were to just write it down once and then a week later, be like, oh, yeah, I stopped doing that. Right. But if you're writing it down every day. So I'd say that was beneficial. You should try it. Well, OK, so <laughs> let's do this. So this is Orlando attempting this part two. Uh, why don't I do this before our next level of review? All right. Starting. Tomorrow. Cool. So tomorrow before when we're recording this is it's a Friday night before garage sales. Yeah. So I got to figure out a time because Saturday it's crazy. Saturday is my busiest day of the week. Oh, yeah. Which is miserable to me in the sense that I remember Saturday I couldn't find like I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I remember Saturday. I remember just I remember I miss the days of 
being bored. <laughs> I mean, I do and I don't, but you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like when you're, when you're a kid and it's summer and if you don't have a job and your friends are like on vacation or whatever, and it's just you alone at home, like summer can be miserable. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's kind of how, so now Saturday, I would say Saturday and Sunday are super intense days for me. Reselling wise. Yeah. And, and it's, I think that's part of the game and, um, you know, it's one of those things where we can't really complain too much about it because, you know, if we want to be successful, we got to go all in and overcommit. No, agreed. Agreed. Which and, is chapter 13. No. And this was inspiring because I'm in this mode. I've, I've mentioned before on the podcast where after I thought I'm going to go hard for one year. And then after last Q4, I thought, you know, no, no, I need to do another year. And so reading this, I'm like, yep, I, I need to. Like he has, he mentions later on in the book about, you know, the time for vacation and someone will be there. And I do. I mean, I went probably on three, four vacation trips after Q4 last year. And, but right now, you know, it's, it, I haven't been sleeping much and it's because I've been all in and over committing the last week. That's good. I mean, you've got to do that. And one of the things he says that I thought was pretty interesting, he compares, he compares life, you know, people love to use different metaphors and analogies and stuff, but he kind of compares it to uh, poker. And, you know, if you've ever watched the Texas Hold'em tournaments, or if you ever played that kind of poker, uh, you know that one of the big things that happens in like those crazy moments is the all in the push in right where mm -hmm. one player just puts it all on the line they push all their chips in and it's like if i win this i'm i'm set you know i'm either going to win this game or i'm going to be so far ahead and if i lose i'm walking away i'm done right and that's a scary thing but he's kind of arguing with this all in mentality is go all in with your mind and with your actions and with your attitude and he goes what's the worst that's going to happen he says you fail but unlike in poker you still have your mind and your actions and you can go all in again and you can go all in again. And so unlike the poker where you go all in, you push in and then you lose and you're done, you walk away from the table. His thing is, who cares? You lose that time, go all in the next time. Just keep going all in. You never stop. You never lose. And it says here, uh, the most valuable chips you have um, are your mindset, actions, persistence, and creativity. You go all in with the energy as many times as you want because even if you fail, you can keep going all in. Yes, but there, I mean, there, I, I think there needs to be some kind of wisdom when you go all in. I, I, I think about that. I think about if I said, I'm going to go in and, and maybe it's because I'm not, I always say this. I don't know if I'm an entrepreneur. I definitely can resell. But as far as, you know, I have savings and I have different, you know, I would say safety measures in case things go go bad but i don't know if i'd be able i'd be willing to just cash out everything you know what i mean like what if i went all in and just said this q4 i am gonna kill it and i'm gonna i'm gonna use all my savings i'm gonna go 100k in debt like i'm gonna go all out i i, I, I can't do it yeah and and i think and i think it's funny that you're finally and i don't want to say finally but you're the one kind of pushing back a little bit more because i feel like Overall, you're the little bit more like, I don't want to say you're on Grant Cardone's side on a lot of this stuff, but you kind of see the value of his mindset. Um, but here you're pushing back a little. And I think that's good because I'm, I'm the same boat as you. Like, I like the sentimentality of going all in, uh, but I think I think it has to be restrained. And I like the idea of it being your mindset. But in some way, your mindset has to connect with your actions, right? So you can be all in in your mindset of like, I'm going to make this work, but you've got to literally put your money where your mouth is. You know, and, and if you're going all in on something, you've got to 
invest. And so I do think there's a place of, can you go all in with like a positive attitude with like, I'm going to give it my energy. Maybe that's the thing that we could say, like, maybe you don't go all in on your resources unless you're hundred percent certain you don't go all in with, you know, everything, but with your energy and like focus and, and the mental aspect, maybe you can go all in for a day, a week, a month on something. And if it fails, oh, well, you didn't necessarily lose capital except for the opportunity cost. Well, it's just something you got you got to think about. You got to we keep saying this. You got to find the model that works for you. But it's true. It's it's one of the things that really annoyed me one time. I remember watching Gary Vee was doing his uh, he was reading his book, one of his books for an audible. And he said something to the fact if you have a job, you're not an entrepreneur. And I go, wow. OK, so that means that if you at any time take any kind of safety precaution. Right. So let's say you know, the economy is bad and, you know, you have, you know, you have a spouse and you have kids and you're an entrepreneur. If you decide, you know what, I'm going to take the safe road. I'm going to get a job with benefits to ensure that my family's taken care of that you're not an entrepreneur. And I go, okay, I guess I'm not, <laughs> you know, it, it bothered me, but I, I guess, I guess I, I just couldn't, to me and myself, I would view myself as less of a person if I couldn't provide for the needs of my family, then, you know, then if I just decided to take a job and just, you know, eat crow, yeah. you know, but it's, I don't know. It's interesting. The other day I posted on Instagram how I wish I knew about reselling earlier on because years ago before my uh, first son was born, I took a job at In-N-Out Burger and it was miserable. I mean, I got to tell you, like, I, anytime I've taken a job that was a job to make money, I hated it. Mm. If it was teaching, I loved it. When I was an administrator, I loved it. Reselling, I loved it. But I, I worked at Shopco for a while. I worked at, at Target. That was kind of fun, but it was more of a job to pay the bills. Uh, and, you know, that job was pretty, it was pretty miserable. I, I, I can't say I ever wanted to work on, yes. I want to wear that bib every day and I want to, you know, be embarrassed when parents roll up to the window putting their order. Like I, I just, I didn't enjoy it. But anyways, I say all that because if it came down to it and I needed to do that, I would do it. And so I don't know if I fit this model. And I think that's right. And I think, I think that's an okay place to be because when you're, hearing from somebody like Grant Cardone or Gary Vee and they're talking about the ultra successful and they're talking about the 1% of the 1%. Like one, I can't remember what the, the law is called, but there's kind of this, this concept that it's like less than 10% of people, of products or whatever is successful. And then of that, so like let's say uh, Beethoven, right? Like he's, he's obviously in like the 1% elite of musicians that people still know today. But of his music that he produced, only 10% of that is even known, right? So like even of the best, only a little bit makes it. And so I think the idea is to be at that caliber, those people have to be the ones that do go all in with everything. And if you got to realize that this isn't a guaranteed success, like if you go that far all in to be successful, you might have a one in a thousand shot of making it. But if you don't go all in, you might have a one in a million shot of making it to that level, right? So is it a guarantee? No, but, but I don't think Cardona argues that. But I mean, <sighs> Cardona's just like you go all in, you're you're gonna make it. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, that that's true. Well, well, and that's true because that that's what he's selling, right? Like, you're not gonna 
if you were like literally being 100% transparent to your customers and saying like, hey, you probably shouldn't buy my book because chances are like the the fact of this actually working <laughs> yeah, no, for you no, is like it. one in a million. But like if, if you read it, it's one in a million. If you don't, it's one in two million. So, but like chances are this isn't going to work for you. Your money might be better spent. Like you're not going to, but if you're like, here's what you could do, you got to make it. I think the benefit of this kind of mentality is, and this goes back to, and this might be a little too philosophical, but um, I heard one time, and I'm a. I'm We're still in chapter guy. thirteen, by the way. Yeah, we'll 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 blaze through these. We'll just do like <laughs> titles. But I heard because I, I was interested about literature. Right, I'm an English teacher, and I've tried my hand when I was in college of like I'm going to be a creative writer, and so I tried some writing, and it just wasn't for me. Right, like I'm that's not my skill. And I learned through like literary theory that the people who write novels and poems and plays that are impactful and powerful and that people know about are the people who experience life to such an extreme that they can explain it in a way that the average person can experience it like as if it's real, right? Whereas if you experience life the way a normal person experiences it, you can never explain it in a way that other people would feel it. So it kind of goes to that same idea that Grant Cardone is so extreme and he has to give so much extreme like raw, raw, raw in his book, but because the average person, and I know he hates the idea of average, but the average person who reads this isn't going to go as extreme as he is saying to go, but they might improve their like action by 10%. But see, I and think, that makes a difference. But I think we're proving Grant Cardone right. Because I think what we're saying is if you want to be that 1%, you have to go all in like the 1%. Yeah. Like, so if you're reserved, you're going to stay reserved. Yeah. So we're just validating what Grant Cardone is saying. And so, which kind of bothers me because... The, the only thing I think is different though is is he doesn't throw in the caveat of, but it's unlikely you'll make it. Yeah, but you can't have that mindset. If you, if you want to level up, if you want a 10X, you have to 10X. There is no reservations. I, I think you have to live like there's no reservations, but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, hey, I'm putting it all on the line here. I'm going 100% because this is the only way I'm going to break into that next level. But there's a chance I'm going to fail at this. Like, no, I think that's okay. Not, not, not according to 10X. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you're wrong or right. I'm just saying to 10X, there is no but. It's just no, you're doing, you're taking action. And so you got to choose. I'm kind of in a place where... I look at this and I go, you know what? Maybe I need to be a little less reserved. I mean, I will tell you, I've done that multiple times in my life and it's panned out. But, you know, there's always, I, and he talks about this later on, there's that fear. So one thing I will say, though, one one thing I want to get out of this chapter before we move on is you know, he talks about what's the worst thing that can happen to you if you just totally go for it. You may lose a customer, but so what? You still have unlimited resource to give it all with your next client. You have everything gained and nothing to lose. And then he goes on next page, page 101. You need new problems. There are signs that you're making progress and heading in the right direction. I think we covered some of this last time. Most people, people simply never bother to form instead spend their time trying to wrap their heads around things that may never happen for them. Anyone who doesn't face new problems, but who instead grapples with the same old problems is their whole life isn't moving forward. Simply put, if you're not creating new problems for yourself, then you aren't taking enough action. And I think that's part of it. I think if you go all in, <laughs> if you end up broke and you never were broke, that's a new problem. So maybe that's what it did. Hey, hey. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. So yeah. anyways, 
Yeah, but I mean, almost every successful success story, successful success story, almost every success story has the uh, the phase of life where the person was, you know, eating top ramen and living in their car and, you know. Well, even Dave Ramsey, who I, I would say Dave Ramsey and Grant Cardone are not polar opposites, but very different. Right. Mm-hmm. Grant Cardone's like, don't own your own house. Right. Dave Ramsey's very much. Grant Cardone is like, who cares about savings? Mm-hmm. As from my understanding, Dave Ramsey, all about savings, right? Very opposed. But Dave Ramsey himself, I think twice he went broke before he ever made it to the next level. Yeah. And they what they share in common is the extreme, the extreme stance they take on taking action, right? Just the type of action is different. Correct. Gazelle intensity. Right. And 10x. Yep. Yep. Right. But it's you gotta be intense. And that and I so I'm looking at this and going, okay. Well, maybe you just find again what works for you and you figure that out. I just I'm going like maybe I'm too reserved. Yeah. And I think I think the wise thing and, and what I take out of this is this is inspiring. Like I was saying, like being getting from somebody who lives so much more intense than I could ever imagine living yeah. allows me to up my intensity a little bit. And for me, that's enough, right? Like being a little bit more like, yeah, I'm gonna get it. And like I do 10% more in my work and I do 10% better in my family and I do 10% better on my finances and 10% better, you know, physically and 10% better spiritually, like all of those things. It's like, Hey, that was a win. Right. And I, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's not what Grant Cardone is asking, but realistically, if that's all the, the average, you know, person gets out of it, that's still a win. And I think that's why so many people flock to these types of books is, you know, living vicariously through this like action, 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 even though you only take a little bit and you're like, I I can't really follow all of it. But the wise thing to say is, even though I can't do that, man, the motivation behind it is like, it's enough. Like that, that was worth the the price of the the book. Yeah. My only question is, and I'm just throwing this out, you know, just for our listeners to think about and you to think about, do we sometimes disguise fear with wisdom? Like we say wisdom, but is that really fear? Right. And Mm. so we're using the word wisdom and replacing it. I mean, we're we're using the word, we're not using the word fear. We're replacing it with wisdom because we're scared to go all in Mm. and and move forward. I think that might be the case sometimes, but I think it's dangerous just to make that blanket statement because, because yeah, I think, I think you could say that with anything, right? Like, Hey, here's this person who's got this trinket and they're willing to sell you $10,000 worth of them. Um, and you might be able to make a huge killing off it if this ends up being the thing that takes off, right? And it's like, well, should I invest my entire life savings on this item? Well, you know, fear. No, I know. Fear, and I think you know, it might be wisdom. situations for all of it. I just, yeah. I'm just throwing the question out there is because I wonder myself, like sometimes I say, well, I don't know if that would be the wise thing to do. And I go, well, no, maybe I'm just scared and, I, and I'm trying to use the word wisdom so I feel better and I sleep better at night. I'm, I'm a big fan of writing out a pro and con list. Like I've made multiple big decisions me and my wife together made it's like several handful of like huge life decisions moving job changes things like that and every single time we take out a pad of paper and we spend like a couple hours and we sit down and we write down every positive thing that can come from it every negative thing that can come from it and then we read them several times and then we ask okay these negative things is it worth these positive right and that i think is at that point whatever decision you make you can't say like well it's just fear because if you did if you do that legitimately you're making the wisest choice you can make given the knowledge that you have, right? So I do think if you just say no without spending the time to think about it, that's not wise. My question to that though is, is there a possibility that your cons are based on fear? 
It could be. And that's why, you know, you should probably seek out some wise counsel too and have some outside people who are not necessarily as impacted by the, the decision, run it by them. Like, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I've thought. But then it depends on who you ask to, right? Well, you ask an entrepreneur, they're going to say, go for it, right? You ask the individual who's been a loyal employee at a place for nine to five, that's the way they roll. Like they may say, no, no, think about your benefits. Think about this. Think about that. I, I, I don't I don't have the answer. I'm just throwing the questions out for all of you <laughs> to answer, you know, for yourselves. Oh, that's very helpful. Well, no, but that's the thing here. I mean, this is part of the reason we do these book studies is, you know, we, we look at them and we go, okay, there's some great ideas here. There's some ideas that you should think about. And then there's some things that we're like, yeah, I don't even know <laughs> if this is even worth the conversation. But you br- you turned it, the conversation to how do you know other decisions are wi- wise or fear? And your response or your your answer is, well, you just don't know. It could well, be fear. I, I don't, I can't speak for someone. I will say for myself, you know, now that I'm 40, which I'm not that old, but I would say a lot of decisions I didn't make, what it would, they weren't based on wisdom. I used wisdom as my cover, but a lot of times it was just fear. Right. I mean, right now I could be in a whole different place as a reseller, could be in a whole different place as, you know, as creators, whatever you want to call it, because we just chose not to make decisions that would have taken us to the next level because we wanted to be wise, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, fair Air quotes. So. All right. And that kind of brings into the next chapter, which is expand, never contract. And he's really talking about this idea of like when there's a recession, when people become defensive his idea is don't become defensive. That's the time to go on the attack. That's the time to to really up your game. And I've always said that specifically with like stocks. Um, oftentimes the market people react um, to fear, right? And they move with the direction the market is going. And historically, pulling your money out of the market completely as the market is going down is a terrible idea. Historically, the best thing you can do is to continue pumping as much money as you can into it, even as it's making its way down. Because on the rebound, you're, the value that you get off of each dollar you put into it goes up because you're buying things at, at, a, at a discounted price. You're buying a stock at a discounted yeah, it's like price. It's like reselling, buy right. low, so high. Exactly. So, so oftentimes, though, people move with the fear and in a recession or when, when the market's going down, it's like, well, Apple has gone down 30%, so I'm going to sell all my Apple stock instead of the people say, well, I believe in the company and I think that Apple's going to be around 10 years from now. So instead of selling all of my Apple stock, it's at a 30% discount. I'm going to keep buying more. And then it's like, oh, it went down another 10%. So I just lost a lot of money that I put in. So I'm going to buy even more because now it's even more discounted. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak too much on stocks. I, I just don't think... <laughs> I will say personally, I have I don't have enough experience. I mean, I've dealt with stocks, but not enough to say, hey, this is the way you should do it. That's just where I land. Yeah, you're, you're being very cautious there. I'm saying historically, that's that's the wise thing to do. It's no, historically, never... yeah, I would say historically, yeah. I mean, of, of well, course. and that's what Grant I know Cardone people. I know too. people that you know when Apple was really low and they eventually did really well because who knew that the iPhone would take everything or the iPod would take everything. Well, iPod. yeah, and that's that's but that's talking about something different. That's like speculating on whether or not like. Yeah, but they but they bought earlier on. Like they bought but in ninety nine, yeah. they bought in two thousand when things weren't, you know, when the stocks things weren't going well. But that's not the same thing though as like a, a, an entire market. Oh no, no, recession. I get what you're saying. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So this idea in that in chapter 14 is when when things are getting worse, as fewer customers seem to be on the market, as people tend to be saving 
as opposed to spending because whether it's interest Oh, I agree with you there. I mean, that's that's what I've I've always been saying. I'm waiting for things to happen. Like right now, I'm I'm in savings mode. Right? But yeah, when the economy hits, I mean, you think about as a reseller all that will be available to you. You think about if you finally want to land on real estate, it's during a recession. Right? We live in San Diego. There's no way I will buy anything right now while the economy is still still rising. It's still, I mean, unemployment is at the lowest rate it's been in 50 years. But I'm telling you, when that recession hits, yes, I, I think we're 100% agreed. Yep. It's time to buy. Yep. And, and to finish up this chapter, his, the Grant Cardone saying is, I would rather die in expansion than die in contraction. I would rather fail pushing forward than in retreat. Yeah, I love that. I should add some like epic music in the background with like fireworks. <laughs> you should have you should have brought your microphone. All right, uh, chapter fifteen. Uh, so it's kind of some of this. <laughs> so I'm working on this. I don't think we're ever gonna get this right, but it's all good. Um, Mic awareness. <laughs> so on page one ten, he shares. You know, I he's talking about again burn the place down again. It's about overcommitment. It, it's kind of the same thing, mm. right? So we can kind of fly through some of this, but he says. I do believe that you must stay committed to taking action, even after achieving successes along the way. Continue to take more actions in order to exceed your goals. The time to celebrate or take vacations will come. Right now, you must keep adding wood until the fire is burning so hot that no one and nothing can put out your successes. And I agree. I think complacency is someone's demise. Has been my demise. I, I I mean, I got I've I would say in this last year, I've come to realize. You know, I got to a place where I'm like, all right, you know. I can sell full time. I can pay the bills. But then it was like, wait, then this is, I need to worry about, not worry. I need to take care of this. I need to take care of this. And I'm complacency led to me losing ground, mm. right? Where I've should have just been expanding my, my business. I've should have just been looking at other avenues for, you know, more streams of income. And instead I was kind of, I was happy with it. That's why I'm saying I'm throwing in another year and maybe it'll be, I'll be saying the same thing 10 years from now. I don't know. I mean, maybe you get. So, so are you hoping to get to a place where you've worked so hard that you're, you're, you're not having to work so hard? No, I'm looking so I can diversify. Okay. Right. So in the sense I've always uh, shared with this, that my next step is real estate. Right. Not because we read Grant Cardone. That's always been the thing because trends can come and go, come and go, you know, different, different commodities can come and go. But the one thing that people always have needed since the beginning of mankind has been land always right. Unless we can figure out some way to live digitally somewhere else, you know what I mean? Or, or we start, you know, we get really obnoxious here. Like, you know, uh, Elon Musk begins, you know, cultivating the moon. Which like, even still, can you imagine the price of real estate on the moon? <laughs> well, yeah, I get that. Or, you know, domain names is something that people talk about, but ultimately people need places to live. And that's why I'm saying I want to go hard another year. And here's the thing. I thought by now we'd be in a recession and we're not. Mm. Right. So you just got to, <laughs> you just got to keep making that money and, yeah. and just waiting. Keep making that money. I like that. <laughs> All right. I don't like saying that. I just, it sounds... Yeah, you got to keep making that money, but money isn't everything. Money is just one ROI. It's a tool. It's a tool that you can use to allow for other things in your life. <laughs> I guess so. That's what you, you have anything else you want to say on chapter 15? Um, 
no, I, I think that that pretty much covers it. So, all right, all right let's move on. Uh, all right, chapter 16. Oh, we talked about this. Fear. Yeah, fear is the great indicator. And and he takes an interesting approach on this. And, and I want to say two things. One is, if you have never seen Will Smith's video on fear, oh, it's, it's, so it's, good. It's, it's amazing, yeah. right? Like where he talks about like, he was going to jump out of airplane and the amount of fear that he experienced all the way. And he kind of just explained like how fear is so debilitating for no reason. Like there's nothing... Anyways, I'm not even going to try and explain it. I, I could spend the time to break it down, but watch it. Just type in Will Smith, Fear. It's just, a great YouTube or we video. Or just put the link in. Yeah, I'll put the link down below. Uh, tell Will Smith we sent you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he took an interesting approach in that he instead of just like talking about fear, like his thing is if there's fear, if you experience any fear, that is the indicator to go act, act on the fear. Like, okay. Don't even hesitate. So I think we're on the same. I think we're thinking the same thing. So we talked about before, and I've mentioned before, where I wish I went with my gut, right, on certain things. But if my gut is saying no, is that fear or is that intuition that's protecting me? Nah, I don't know. I'm not going to talk about intuition and gut and all that stuff. But it's the same thing, right? I mean, you, if you have, you know, it, it's this scenario. It's You ever had those instances, and maybe you haven't, but I've had a couple scenarios where I just thought, you know, maybe I don't need to go to this location. And then something crazy happened at that place. You know, I can't, it wasn't like it's anything newsworthy, but it was just like so glad that I just followed my gut and I didn't go. Right. And, or, or I w I'm glad I didn't go into this business venture because, you know, had I gone into it, I would have lost $10,000. Right. And so that's that's where I struggle with this, because he says on page 116, you this frequently avoided feeling as a green light to signal you to what you should do. So you get that feeling of, hey, you know, I don't know if I should do this. Go for it. Like, that's that's tough. It's reckless. And you think it's reckless? I don't know if it's reckless. No, it's 100 percent reckless. You think so? Yeah, because you just talked about the difference between wisdom and fear. And so we were kind of insinuating that you should base your decisions off of wisdom and not fear um, and that we could s sometimes be afraid which is why we don't do things but then at the same time like the idea i mean this is so it's one of those things that like he can just say it but really it's it's a nuanced and very complicated issue is when you start talking about like fear there's so many examples of like i'm afraid to do this thing well unless you actually break down like pros and cons and decide like is this worth the risk but if you're just like Oh man, quitting my job. I don't know. I'm afraid to do it because I don't know if I'll be able to provide for my family. Then you should quit right now. That's it. I quit. Like I'm I'm just gonna do it because that's like that's what Grant Gardone is is suggesting. And and maybe not to that extreme, Again, maybe, but it is. I keep saying maybe we're not the definition of entrepreneurs. But even still, like an entrepreneur would be afraid of failure. An entrepreneur would be afraid of of sleeping in when the the thing you know what I mean? Like I'm afraid to sleep in when when the the business partners are out doing this and I, I might be missing this deal. So you know what? I'm sleeping in like you got to draw the line like eventually like, OK, so you're only talking about fear about taking action. Well, what kind of action fear about taking action that could lead to benefit? Well, then that at that point, that's not all types of fear. Right. So you got to be very specific about saying, like, if you're afraid of taking action because it could be uncomfortable, but there's a chance of success and a pretty high chance of success, then I could see where he's coming from. But if it's just all fear, that doesn't make sense. Okay, moving on. All right. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I, that one lost me a little bit. All right. I did love uh, the next chapter, though, the, the myth of time management. Is that? I agree with it. I think it's a myth. I don't. 
You don't? No. I, Explain. I, I 100% believe you can manage your time. I think you can. No. Okay. But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is it's a myth because you somehow believe that you have to give up. Like we've kind of talked about this, that, and, and we've come to an agreement that you do have to give up certain things, right? If you yep. want to go to a certain place. But what he's saying is that as long as everybody's on board, you can still prioritize and you don't have to make it a time management thing. You can have it be something that your whole family's on board with something and you could definitely make it happen where time isn't an issue anymore. Well, yeah, but that comes down to this idea of uh, the main thing I have a problem is he says this. He says, I personally am not interested in balance. I'm interested in abundance in every area. And that's talking on both sides. Like I think when some people say balance, they're not saying that they want like mediocre everything. Like I don't know anybody who says I want balance. I want like a work-life balance when they say that. And I get that people say like, that's a myth and that's, and I understand this is like really, you've got to go into a lot of details, to talk about exactly what you're define all your terms. Right. But most people, when they say they want work-life balance, they're saying, I want to be able to be very successful at work. And I want to be very successful at home. I want to have a good family connection and I want to be, I want to be able to do well in, in my business. I want to be able to do well with my, you know, physical goals. I want to do well with my intellectual or emotional goals. They're not saying, I just want to be average in everything. I want to be the lowest low. Like that's not what, so when he says he wants abundance in every area, that's the balance people are talking about. Yeah. That's why, that's what I mean. I agree with what he's saying. Cause he's saying you can have abundance in all of it. And but what he's but saying is that that's the myth that people who want, like a balance, life balance, that's a myth. Instead, you can have abundance and everything. Well, that's what they want. So he's saying the myth is the very thing that's not the myth. You see what I'm saying? Like he's, it's like kind a circular of. logic. Like he says, if you think people who want time management for work-life balance, that's a myth. You can actually have it all. Well, that's, that's the work-life balance. But he's saying that you don't need a balance. Like you, like there, there isn't like you got to have 60, 40 or 70, 30 or 50, 50. He's saying you could have hundred, hundred. That math doesn't work that way. No, the math doesn't work that way. But I, I truly believe if people on board, I mean, how many times have we talked? You know, people actually, somebody had addressed, <laughs> we feel bad. Somebody had actually contacted us uh, at one point about, you know, concerns because their their partner wasn't on board with their reselling, right? And we need to get back to that person. My apologies if you listen to the podcast, we'll get back to you. We don't offer counseling, by the way. So what we're going to say Maybe is, we should. is no, not at all. But um, dear Pure Hustle podcast, <laughs> that would be a different, definitely different turn for the podcast. So yeah, if you guys have uh, suggestions and you want to hear um, <laughs> no. non non uh, legal non legal and non psychological or advice, or non you know anyway, we're not professionals, but we can definitely fix all of your life problems. <laughs> Send in your questions. <laughs> but uh, I lost my train of thought now with that silliness. What I'll Okay. What was I going to say? Oh, okay. So a significant other isn't on board. Right. And I, and I think about that. I think, you know, I know a couple right now that they're both on board with the reselling. And so to them, work-life balance doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not an issue. Like they can do reselling all day and they're good with it because to them, they understand their priorities and they're able to work together. I think the conflict happens is when you have a family structure, when individuals in the family aren't prioritizing the same thing, so, right? So and but then it becomes Grant, an issue. What's Grant Cardone's answer to that? Like, Grant Cardone is basically like your family has to be on board. What if they're not? 
then you got a problem. And I, I do, I 100% agree with that because whether it's in education, I, I can tell you people in education that were never able to get to the next level because their spouse was not on board with it. And it didn't matter how hard they worked. It didn't matter what they did. And again, I know we talk about this victim mentality and blaming others, but I think there is a real reality when you're working with human beings that if the family structure isn't on board with what you're doing, you're not going to get to the next level. That's just it. So you got to make a choice. Are you willing to be at just that level, right? And prioritize that, hey, well, more important is, you know, my spouse and being on board with me. And if that means I got to give a little, then you got to be willing to choose if that's what you want. Or you got to say, you know what? We got to we got to figure this out because ultimately and I would say Grant Grant Cardone is right. The family structure. No, the family structure has to understand that if this career path is what's taking care of the family, the family has to be on board. Yeah, to an extent. But if you're but a lot of this is I would say a lot of this is like a me mentality. And I agree. Like my wife and I, we resell together and, and we're both on board with the same thing. So that's super beneficial. If she wasn't, this wouldn't work the same way. But at the same time, I, I, I hate the idea of selling. I believe he's selling the myth of you can have it all. That's what I think he's selling. But I, I think, I think here's the thing. And but let again, me, let me finish my okay, thought. Let me, all right, go ahead. So I think he's selling the myth of you can have it all. And, and the reason why I say that is you can have abundance in a lot of areas, but you cannot go all in on every area. And just my reading is a perfect example. I was doing very good for a while with doing exercises in the morning or going to the gym after work, right? When I decided that I needed to challenge myself intellectually, read some more books, I had to decide, okay, I've got to give up some time somewhere. Well, some of that time is going to come from working out. So physically I suffer a little. There's no way I can spend two hours in the gym and do an hour of, of intense reading and work a full-time job and resell and be uh, like a family and be able to be like fully dedicated to all those things without like any hiccups. You, you have to like, you only have a, you have 24 hours a day and you have to allocate that time to certain things. And is it nice when like your wife and you or your husband and you are on the same page with, with one aspect? Yes, that's great. But then you're, that's, there's always going to be a cost benefit analysis or, uh, Opportunity costs, is rather. You're always giving up something. Time you spend in one thing is time away from something else. You can't be 100% in on, on fitness and 100% in on family. And you know what I mean? Like You're going to have to be partially in on something and not 100%. Uh, I would say if the person that... Okay, so there's, there's two. I'm going to say something harsh here eventually. So if the person that you're with is a hundred percent on board with you and what you do and they have the same priorities. I don't, it's not going to be an issue. It's just not going to matter. It's just not like it's, it's not, there's never going to be a discussion. Like we got to give up time to do this, to do that. It's just going to naturally happen. And I've seen it happen with people. There's a stage in my life where it just naturally happened and time management was never an issue, but it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of, I use this, I'm going to use Dave Ramsey. Scenario. So Dave Ramsey would talk about before you got married, right? You have to think about, okay, if you're marrying somebody that handles money poorly and you want to be financially independent and money's not an issue, Dave Ramsey would say that should be enough for you to end the relationship. It should be done. Like if somebody's coming to you and they have a hundred thousand dollars debt and you have no debt and that person isn't willing to take the steps to cancel out that debt, 
then that relationship should end. So what happens when you marry the person who's on board 100% financially and job-wise, but they're not on board fitness-wise, or they're not on board with your getting your master's degree? Or but I think at that time, you got that's when you that's when you got to make the decision what's important. Like if it's, again, if your spouse and your marriage is important, that's what you dedicate to. Like Yeah, that's, but okay, but you're saying you're dedicating. So like, for instance, when my son came along, he requires a certain amount of time and I have I refuse to not give him time every day, right? He's going to get time every day. So the idea that I can be 100% abundance, rock star, dad of the year, but also be teacher of the year is, it's impossible. I disagree. I think it's, it's impossible. It's 100% doable. No. There's, there, there's, the thing is, all you need is one example to cancel out a disagreement. And there's millions upon millions of people that have been great family people. I'm not saying have great. have been great at whatever But occupation they're giving they're up something. They're giving up something. There's some, like, they, do they also have a six pack body? And they're like, um, and do they also have this? And do they also have- But people like, make choices. Like, But that's what I'm saying. Like you, that's time management. Eventually you're saying like, I can only pick from so many things because the amount of time that I have. But if So they, you can pick two or three maybe, but you can't pick everything. Okay, I'll just say one more thing. And we'll move on because I think I don't think we're going to agree on, on this one at all. OK, tell me one person who has abundance in every spiritual, physical, family. But that's financial. not what he's but that's not he's saying. He's saying time management is not an issue if your priorities are the same. That's it. That's all he's saying. So it's not he's not saying in everything. He, and so for me, you know, I'll put it this way. If if you're an individual, right, and reselling is your thing and and leveling up and Amazon, FBA or real estate, blah, blah, and you come across somebody and no matter how drop dead gorgeous they are, no matter how much you care about them, no matter what, if that person isn't on board with those same priorities, then it's time to move on. Like, that's it. Yeah, that's relationship advice. But I'm no, I'm, but it's but it's the same idea. OK, but here's. Direct quote from and you're trying, to, you're trying to win me over. You're not going to win me. I'm over. not trying to win you over. I'm just saying like this is you're telling me he's not saying that, but he's saying this. Okay. Finances, family, happiness, spirituality, physical or emotional well-being, or if you're like me, all of them. And remember, it can be all of them. I didn't add the emphasis there. It's mm -hmm. it's there. I personally am not interested in balance. I am interested in abundance in every area. I don't think I should have to sacrifice one in favor of another. Yeah, but you're talking about, there's no discussion of six packs, but can you physical can? Yeah, but physical, what does that mean? Like you're defining it as far as like you need to be like, I don't know, in like this tremendous shape. Maybe he's just saying you'd be in good health. You know what I'm saying? Like that's 10 X. Well, to him, it is. I mean, to he I mean, Grant Cardone to me, according to what he says in the book, he figured out. But there are, I'm telling you, there are plenty of people who have. I, I have it all. They have it all. They have their cake and they eat it too. Hundred percent. Disagree. There are people out there. Not everybody has to be miserable and go like, oh, whoa. Like, I'm not saying you're miserable, but you do have to. Like, you only have 24 hours a day, and five to six of that is sleeping. Right. So you've only got, you know, 19 hours a day. I'm sorry, you cannot do things that require 30 hours a day. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, you got to apply Tim Ferriss's four hours. <laughs> Again, I don't think we're going to agree. So we should move on. All right. Criticism is a sign of success. So you're criticizing a Grant Cardone makes him successful. You're criticizing of, uh, <laughs> somebody made fun of you for criticizing Goodwill. 
because they're successful. Oh, they are successful. Yeah. I, I'm not going to deny that. They do a great job. I just, you know, I'm not a fan of the store that shall not be names, you know, pricing policy. But that's that's on, on a small scale. I mean, if you think of the bigger picture, they're definitely doing really well. Yeah. So this this chapter is uh, haters going to hate. That's basically what it's saying. <laughs> it's true. But I but I it's a, it's so, so true because you find that in in anything. I mean, again, we don't have to touch on that. I mean, I think he's just I think I, to my, my sense of what, why he wrote that is just to say, hey, all of you that are hating on me, it's because I'm successful. Yeah. I think that's what he meant. I don't think I mean, that's what it read like to me. All right. What about this? Let's go. Chapter 19. Customer satisfaction is the wrong target. How do you feel about that there? Um, I mean. Again, I, I, I have a oh, problem. Okay, what are you saying before he's... Let's explain to those of you, that, those people that didn't... So, Grant Cardone basically said, like, customer satisfaction shouldn't be the issue you're concerned about. It's customer acquisition, right? It's, it's actually getting customers. Because if you're putting all of your effort into making the customers you have happy, you never grow. And the most successful companies are worried about getting customers. But then the thing I always feel about Grant Cardone is he says something isn't the issue, but then basically it turns around and says, it's not the issue because I already have that part mastered. 100%. That's what he's thing. saying here. He's yeah. saying it should be the standard. Customer satisfaction should already be the standard. It should, we shouldn't even have a discussion about it. Yeah, and basically he says, you're gonna, your company should take care of the customers, but more of your concern shouldn't be on like, how do we keep our customers happy, but how do we get new customers? Because if you can't get the new customers, then who cares whether or not non-customers are happy with your business? <laughs> it was kind of an interesting chapter because he's talking about the thing that doesn't exist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. Like, you should be worried more about the non-customers than the customers with the, ex with the exception that you've already taken care of the customers and that's why you should be going after non-customers. And so I, I think there's value to that in the sense that if if he let's relate to reselling, are there different items that you're not sourcing or you're not thinking about that could expand your business because you're keeping yourself to one niche and you're trying to keep that population happy and buying consistently where you should already have that taken care of and you should be branching out and think about other areas. And I, I think there's value to that. Mm -hmm. So, hey, before we get moving, though, if you haven't had a chance to check us out on YouTube, we are Pure as a Podcast on YouTube. If And make sure to hit that subscribe button and that bell notification. Uh, so, you know, when Mike and I get into it, you can watch our eyebrows. So <laughs> also, you can follow us. On, that was so weird. But it's true. We got he, we get heated sometimes. Yeah, but, but good we're way. good friends. Yeah, we're good friends. That's, that's all good. That's what happens. No, that's how it should work. Uh, on Instagram, we are Pure as a Podcast. On TikTok, we are Pure as a Podcast. On Facebook, we're Pure as a Podcast. And you can also find us as Pure as a Cast on Twitter. You can always leave us a message, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at purasapodcast at gmail.com. And always, there's a link on the bottom if you want to say, hey, thanks so much for helping us out. You know, here's a monetary way to say thank you. There's a link below uh, to PayPal. And uh, I'm excited about our next book. Can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. So uh, let me let me get the exact title so that I get it right. We'll put a link down in the description so you know um, which version we're planning on reading. Uh, I have no idea, by the way. So you I'm, said I'm you're really, excited about I, it. I'm so I am because I will tell you this book was, I think, made for good conversation just because, you know, 
I, I wish we, Greg Cardone, if you're listening, we want you on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think it made for great conversation. Hey, maybe you can clarify some of the things that we have, you know, um, critiques of you because, you know, every time we critique, it just makes you more successful. And, uh, you know, maybe you can come on and, and, and clarify your points and, you know, maybe we're totally wrong about some of the things we think you're saying and maybe we're right. And, you know, we'd love to, that'd be cool. But so we hope you're listening. Um, Our next book. But we got to go 10x. So we want Grant Cardone on like. On a 10 hour podcast episode. No, we, we want him as like a, as, as like a, a part time, like third person who comes in and like, he's <laughs> like special, our assistant. A special guest. Yeah, he's our assistant. Even when we interview people, Grant Cardone will interview those yeah, people. Yeah, he'll come us. on as an assistant. Um, okay, so. Uh, our next book is Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your oh, Life and Maybe the World by William H. McRaven. Um, he's, he's a, I believe he's an admiral, right? And he gave a speech mm-hmm. at, at a college. really good. Good call. Yeah. So he gave a speech at a, at a college um, ceremony and it was like a life-changing speech for me. And, and I already like knew a lot of this stuff, but it's one of those things that's just kind of inspiring. And anytime I, I meet people who, I don't want to say don't have their life together, but just seem to be struggling to like, to figure out what's the next step to take and how to like, you know, make their life better, improve their life. Um, I always just recommend them to go watch that video. And now I'm like, you know, I want to read this book because I'm sure he's going to flush out in even more detail. Uh, so I would say as a teaser, go watch that video. It's, it's not super you short. what it is again? So it's, um, so it's make your bed, little things that can change your life and maybe the world by William H. McRaven. If you just type in make your bed, um, speech is that another link we need to put below yeah we'll put it in we'll the have description. all kinds of links in the description it that it's such an incredible speech and it, it really just talks about like how to well we'll wait till you get to the book to go overall but really it, it's it's such a powerful book about the little things you can do and to change your mindset in order to um just make your life better to improve everything you're doing to develop good habits and to not be stuck in in the the average right yeah and i actually it's interesting you say that because I caught a clip of Tim Ferriss talking about him. Really? And how it impacted him when he discussed, like, if you just make your bed yep. every morning, other things will fall into place because you already feel like you conquered you something. something yep. So I thought, you know, again, it was Orlando going, oh, that that's great. Hasn't happened, but... <laughs> Bed's still not made. I mean, there was a point in my life where I made the bed for, I would say... Probably 13 years. There wasn't a day I missed. And but then, then a time comes where, you know, you, you 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 choose something else over the time it takes to make the bed and you don't have abundance in every area of your life. Could be. Could be. <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel like, because I'm telling you, it was years and then I just, I don't know. I don't know. But it's more than just that. So the so, make your bed is just one aspect. So, so don't think okay. like, I make so my bed, I don't no, have to read it. Next time we meet, you must ask me, did I write my goals every day? Did you make your bed? And did I make my bed? That's every how day? we're going to start every episode. Welcome to Purosal Podcast. <laughs> we're on episode 87, or episode 194. Orlando, did you make your bed today? I, w- I want you to ask me. I think that's a big deal. When you call in, uh, all of our listeners, when you call in for, for a hustle of the week or bubble or something, just add that. And, and Orlando, did you make your bed? We should have a make your bed. Make your bed. Make your bed section where we talk about how people's lives change because they made their bed. Make your bed. All right. All right. Let's get back to the book here. So we'll put links below for the book, for the Will Smith video, for the Admiral's video. And uh, let's let's yeah. 10X this book study. All right. Let's Omnipresence. Let's X this 10X. Let's X this 10X. Omnipresence. This is a chapter talking about being everywhere. 
You want to you wanna expound on that a little bit? <laughs> sure. I think I think you need to be. I mean, I'm not trying to sound, uh, you know, like Gary Vee or anything, but I really do feel in reselling or anything that you're doing, like you have to be wherever you can be, you should be. And I remember one of the, one of the times I learned this was uh, I had a superintendent that I worked for. And I remember when he first got hired, he came in and he set up a meeting with the chamber of converse, uh, converse <laughs> chamber of commerce in the town. And I'm like, why, like, why would you do that? Uh, you know, it, it, we were a private institution. Like it didn't really matter. And I remember him saying, Orlando, we need to be relevant in the community. Like we've been, we've existed for so long and there are businesses that have no idea who we are. Hmm. And I remember at that time, like, oh, this is different. And next thing you know, we got all the support. All these people found out who we were. I mean, we were having the Chamber of Commerce meeting at our location, which brought more people to find out about our school, which allowed our enrollment, you know, to to fluctuate in a good way. And so I thought, and I was thinking about that when I read this, I go, that's right. I mean, you think about reselling, you know, a lot of people ask us, you know, I, I'm really struggling in, in selling on Instagram, right? They, they, they can do the eBay, Poshmark. But what they're doing, and we've talked about this before, is they just they they make an Instagram account and they just put items that they're selling and that's it. Right. And so there's a presence, but you know how you make that presence by providing value. Mm. Like telling people how you do this well or or showing people these are the items to look for. And then as as your following grows, then you'll get random people that go, Hey, you know, I was interested in this Instagram story you had about this item, or yeah, I saw on Twitter that you had this in your hall. I wanted to purchase it. And we have that happen. I would say probably once a week now I have that happen on, on the Instagram account. And it's, again, it's because, you know, we, we're, we're, we're trying to be omnipresent, right? We're on TikTok now. We're on YouTube. We have our podcast. The only place we really weren't omnipresent was on Snap. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And, and, and we could always do more in, in some of those areas. But, you oh, know, I think you, we could 10x what we do. Yeah. But you've got to pick the, uh, the, the, the social media sites that you put the most energy into. You know, you can't, you can't put as much energy in all of them and, and be successful in every other way. But, you know. Um, <laughs> I see where you're going with that. But, um, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. You know, it, now this is interesting because if you're not a social media, I mean, it's easy for us to talk about in that sense of like, okay, like we, we have a presence on social media because of the podcast, but if you're, if you're just a reseller, okay, well, how do you, how do you have the omnipresence? Well, I think that it's important to realize every single thrift store, every single uh, book selling person, every like anybody who could possibly help your business, whether it's people who have boxes, people they should have your business card. They should 100%. know who you are. And I, I'm I'm listening to this this book right now. I listen to audiobooks uh, quite a bit, and there was a, a phrase said in there that like it kind of changed the way I thought about stuff. And it was a salesman driving in a car, and he's got this young boy in the car with him, and he's giving life advice to this young boy, and he says, "The one thing you need in order to be successful in life," he goes. On all my years selling, this is this is it. This is the one piece of advice. This will make you more successful than anything. He says it's the love. He says, and 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 as you listen to him explain it, you realize like, okay, this isn't real love. But he's like, love everybody. He goes, every time I get a new customer, I talk to somebody. He says, I ask them everything I can think of to ask them. 
got any pets? You got a wife? How many kids? What's and and he goes, and then I go home, or when I leave their house, and I write it all down in a book, their name, and then I write wife. And if his wife has cancer, I write next to it, cancer. And then every time I see that guy again before I Kinda sell like Michael Scott. Right. So before I before I sell, before I sell him whatever it is I'm trying to sell him, I ask him about his wife. And I ask him about his kids. And I ask about and he goes, you know, and then when the wife dies, I cross out cancer and I write dead. And he goes, and that's nice because that's one less thing I have to think about. But as sad as that is to realize, but it's so true. Like if if everybody feels that they know you, if you're everywhere and it's like, oh, here comes this person who who I give boxes to or this person that that um, I could hook up a deal with and they or they can sell me something or whatever it is. If everybody knows who you are, doors are going to open up for you. And we talk about that all the time. Yeah. What I'll say is, yes, I mean, I've I've pushed business cards forever. And what I'll tell you is if you're in a place where if you're not in a place where you're turning away deals, then you haven't done enough. Mm. That, that's the way that's my measure, because right now I, I'm always turning away stuff. Right. People are like, hey, can we connect? Hey, I got this bolo. Can we share this bolo? Or I get people like, hey, I'm selling my inventory or, hey, I heard about you here. It's huge. And I and again, like Mike said, it doesn't have to be social media. It could just be business cards. It could just be when we're out at thrift stores, at garage sales. People need to know who you are and they need to know you're a reseller. Today, uh, Allison from Big Drift, Drift, Thrift. Somebody found out they're a reseller and she ended up with a Harley 3D emblem shirt. Right. Think about that. Like, had she had never said that, wouldn't it happen? Yep. Right. So, yes, I 100% agree. Omnipresence is a big deal. Yep. And if you're like Grant Cardone, he says, How many people are in the world? Six billion. I want six billion people to know my name. I believe he does. <laughs> I really, I, I think he wants 6.8 billion and then whatever else may be lurking yep. out there. <laughs> if there is. All right excuses this is a good one and we could probably have a whole podcast just on excuses I, but we've talked, we've about, talked about it you know like not not making excuses for failures um because i think the the point that we've made on this and he makes here is it doesn't change your situation right he says making excuses won't change your situation only getting the real reason behind it can do this and you know sometimes things aren't your fault but still if you point the finger at somebody else unless you're trying to get some kind of justice that like might be warranted there's really no point in even bringing it up. It's like, okay, like I was wronged in this. What are the aspects I can change? Or was I at fault at anything? Okay, now what do I do moving forward? And you can't do that if you sit and wallow in excuses. Yep. I mean, I, we've killed it so many times. Excuses, excuses, They're excuses. like belly buttons. Well, yeah. Well, there's, there's various. Everybody has them. Yeah, we can also go. They're like noses. They're like this. They're like, I mean, we can go all over the place. The bottom line is, you can always find someone to blame or an excuse. Ultimately, like we said, it's your responsibility to figure out how to make things happen. Yeah, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. 100%. Come back to Will Smith. All right, let's go to successful or unsuccessful. Chapter 22. This was a long chapter and this had, let's see the number. Oh, this is the one. Okay, so on this one, I think he had like 30 something different attributes. 32. 32. And so what we decided on this one is we're just going to pick out the ones that we believe stuck out to us or the ones that we challenged. I don't think there's many that we challenge on this one. I think uh, there's a few, but okay. well, well, let's we'll see. just talk about a couple. All right. So where you're at. So number one, have a can do attitude. Okay. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's what this whole thing is about. Okay. So, but I did like what he said. He said, can do no problem. We will handle it became the norm and nothing else is even accepted. And I will tell you that is the one I'm going to go on a rant here. 
That is the one thing that bothers me to no end that is not in this society. Drives me mad. Mm. You know, if I go somewhere and, you know, even if it's, let's say, Starbucks or let's say it's the library or it's whatever and people are like, yeah, we just, we can't do it. Mm. I'm like, no. Like, I'm a customer, like, you can do it. Or at least tell me you can and try and then come back like, hey, this is what we did. This is where we landed. And I think the same thing should apply if you're a reseller. I think the same thing should happen if you're just a human <laughs> in the sense that. And all you non-humans out there. <laughs> if somebody approaches you, you know, the, what you talked about love. You talked about compassion. One of the best ways you can show that is by telling people, hey, I can do what I can. I'll, I'll try to make this happen. Right. Because to me, I, I remember this and this is something I really had to break through because I was the guy that would, people would go like, especially as an administrator, I didn't have a lot of fans at times because people would approach me and I'm like, nope. And like, imagine how demoralizing that is for a person. Yeah. Right. So if, and, and so if you have a customer and they're approaching, if you're, you know, whatever business you're, you're doing, you got to at least have that can do attitude that yes, I can make this happen. It should be the norm for you. And then the exception should be when it's an absolutely, or maybe, maybe it shouldn't if it's unrealistic. Yeah. There there will be times when you can't. And I think what I learned um, in my short time of management, but I think even being a teacher, you're managing students and their expectations and feelings and you're managing parents. So there's, there's still management as far as that goes. Um, is when you can't do something for whatever reason or the decision you're making, even parenting, right? Like sometimes you can't explain to your kids the whole reason why they can't do something, but be as transparent as possible, right? Like sometimes there's sensitive information you can't talk about, but I know I appreciate when my bosses say like, hey, I hear what you're saying. I either agree or maybe I understand what you're saying. These are the things that are happening behind the scenes or there are things happening behind the scenes that we can't change and it's affecting in this way but we believe that it will lead us to a better place and reach our goals, right? Like when there's transparency and it's not just the no and cut off, then you don't feel like you're hurt. But when you feel, when a customer feels heard and when you're transparent of the reasons why, right? Like if a customer says, can you ship this via this? And you're like, hey, I'm sorry, this violates eBay policy. Like I I, I wish I could do it that way, but I can't. That's better than just the no, right? Mm -hmm. No, agreed. Cool. Agreed. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a few. There's a lot of really good ones in here. Uh, I'm going to jump to number 10. Wow. Number 10 was create wealth. I thought this one was really interesting uh, because he, he separates the idea of um, money as an asset versus wealth. Um, and we've talked before, like wealth being like accumulated assets when we were talking about richest man in Babylon. But when he's talking wealth here, he's talking a broader sense of, of other types of wealth, such as like intellectual property and other value that provi you provide. He says the very successful know that money is already created. They think in terms of generating wealth through the exchange of new ideas, products, services, and solutions. And so I like the idea of don't just think of like, how can I make more money? But how can I create things that improve other people's lives? How can I create? So we're creating a course, our PRSO podcast course. We'll be releasing that. I'm joking. <laughs> it's not happening. Sorry. But uh, yeah, no, but that's what he's saying, though. Yeah. I mean, he's setting himself up for his sale or, you know, his yeah. courses and his, and his services that he provides. But I, I think. I think there is value to that. You know what I mean? I, I think there comes a place where if you are good at something 
And I will, and again, we're not going to do this, but I remember when I, I, I've done consulting in the past, it, it's a sense of like, if you are good at something, you got to think about, okay, how can I market and how can I network this? And, and the advice I will give is don't sell yourself short. Yeah. But this isn't just like creating courses. Like this is, this is like cre- invent, create a new idea, uh-huh. be, yeah, be an innovator in, yeah. a, in a field. Um, and so that's part of wealth too. And, and even he kind of talks about like, you know, when you're developing that kind of money and you have that kind of stuff, like maybe it's a legacy you're trying to leave by like, I want to help an orphanage in this country that, you know, is is underprivileged and they need help. And like, I'm going to develop wealth, even though like the amount of money that's in the world doesn't change. But if I can increase the living status of of these orphans, then I've I've done something right. Like, so that is a way you can create wealth is of all the scenarios. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's the uh, that's the, no, the you know, the extreme, the. <laughs> The example that people use, right? Just like you say, starving kids in whatever country, right? Like, so yeah, so wealth can be created by new ideas, new feel, like, you know, a new way of growing plants that can help whatever. You haven't actually made more money, but think of any product. Like, there's no multi-millionaire business person who made their money by not creating wealth for everybody, right? The iPhone has changed the. Yeah, it's, created, made everybody more it's all about value, value, value. value. Yeah. All right, so building on that, I went to um, 15 Focus on the now. And I did like what he said here because I think we've touched on this, but I think we haven't expounded on it enough. So he says on page 172, he discusses action is necessary and there's no time more valuable than now. While others are trying to figure out how they will get something done, you will have already finished it. The person who continues to do more consistently will improve his or her skill set out of sheer survival and adjustment. And so I take this back to our, our last episode where we had talked about retail arbitrage and you said that you were, you know, you went on forums and people were like, you can't do it yeah. and, and watch out for this and that. And it's same thing with Amazon, right? Amazon can be super scary. And, you know, there's a lot of hammers that can drop and, and, you know, there, there's just a lot of fear out there, but here's the thing. It, it's like anything I truly believe it. And when I've been at my best was when I just said, I'm going to go into something and I'm going to survive and adjust as I go along because thinking about it and sitting back and, 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 you know, going, I don't know about this. I'm kind of concerned. I'm kind of worried. You know, you're not you're just not going to do it. You're just not. But if you go, Hey, I'll figure this out as I go is a far better place. And I, I can tell you, in all kinds of fields, whether it's recent, I can tell you in education, the schools that have made it have been the schools that will say, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, both public education and private education that decided to be innovative and said, you know what, we're going where others haven't gone, but we're going to adjust as we go instead of like thinking we have it all figured out. And I, and I, I got to tell you a hundred percent, I've seen the people that have been willing to go and adjust are far better than the people that are going, you know what? This is the way we've always done it. We're going to keep it this way. That's how businesses, in my opinion, have died. Yeah. So that's my two cents. So I agree with Grant Cardone on this one. That's a good one. I'm going to jump back just a little bit. And then okay. I only have one more after this one that I, I kind of, there's a few, quite a few I, I disagreed with. But one that really kind of irked me was habitually <laughs> commit. And I didn't like that what one. What number was that? Uh, number 13. Okay. I didn't like this one because 
the point he's trying to make, and he he actually says it a couple of times throughout this whole chapter in different sections, but is say yes, basically to every opportunity. And anytime you're asked from somebody to do something, it's basically say yes. And the habitually commit, I'm not a fan of because I would say for me personally, and I've read multiple things from very successful people who say the exact opposite. Saying no is very challenging for a lot of people. Saying no is very hard for me to do because I'm a people pleaser. But I have learned that stepping out of my comfort zone and saying no has been one of the most powerful life-changing things in my life. Because every time somebody offers you an opportunity, hey, can you do this job for me? Can you do this thing? Hey, can you help me move? Hey, can you come over? We got a kid's birthday party. We've got, eventually you're going to become overwhelmed with yeses. And then you're not, you're not all in on anything. Mm -hmm. You're not able to commit to the things that are more important, like reselling or whatever it is. And so I, I, years ago, I heard somebody say this thing and it was like, this is my model now, is if somebody says like, hey, will you do this, want to do this thing? If it's an opportunity, like I'm not talking like a friend says, hey, I need your help. You know, like something happened in my family and I need you, can you give me a ride? Like, of course, be compassionate. But when it's like, hey, I've got this opportunity, like, do you want to, you want to, I know you already have a podcast. You want to do another podcast with me? Or like whatever it is. I mean, I've had somebody reach out to me about doing a, a radio show with them. And the thing, my indicator is if it's not almost instantly a hundred percent, yes, I cannot like imagine my life without this thing. I'm going to say no, unless, you know, because it's so easy to like stretch yourself, stretch yourself, stretch yourself. If I've said yes to every single video gig or like extra, like podcast, radio thing, whatever it is, we wouldn't be doing Pierre's podcast right now. No, I agree. You know what I mean? And so yeah. like saying no has been so helpful for me. And so I think you got to be smart about it. But I think a good rule of thumb, at least that I do when it comes to opportunities, is if it's not 100%, yes, this is it, like I'm all in, probably you should say no. So passion, right? So you're saying is passion. I'm not, well, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not a big follower of like passion in the sense of like, it has to be like this emotional thing. But like if I'd run the numbers and I'm like, yes, this makes sense. Like this is going to provide me X benefit. I'm just very logical. I mean, everybody has a different way mm -hmm. of thinking. For me, it's not, I don't run off emotions almost ever. I run almost completely off of like thoughts. That, That's a that is my passion. Right. So like when you, when, when somebody comes to me with something like I'll get passionate about it, but my passion follows all of the logic, right? The logic comes first for me. And so if it's not like, yes, this is going to be beneficial, or I see that this is going to be able to help somebody or whatever it is, then yeah, I'm not going to, I'm probably going to say no, or at least like, let me think about it. But it's so easy to be like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. And that was my go-to for the long time. And you remember like when I was at, at the school underneath you, I said yes to every video opportunity. I said yes to every, and eventually you get to the place where it's like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this. There should have been something I should have just stood up and said, you know what? No, not unless I get X, Y, and Z, which is going to help me with this. I'm not just going to say yes because it's like, oh, I want to please them. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want them to think bad about me. Mike was very worried about what I thought. He always said yes, not though. Not this guy. No, <laughs> but, hey. but I was a yes man, and that that was never a good thing for me. But you know, I think I think there's there's a way to be a yes person, in the sense that, and it it's kind of what you're saying. You know, I I think about like our podcast. So any opportunity that's come up, pretty much we've said yes to. Right. Right. There's a couple times that people said, "Hey." it'd be great if you interview this person or this person. And we just thought, well, it doesn't really fit our mm -hmm. brand. And so we said no. Right. Right. Because in the end, we didn't think it would be advantageous for the podcast or help our listeners or right. whatever. It would have been more advantageous for that individual mm -hmm. and so on. But 
I, I do think there has to come up, become a place where you just say, you know, at this stage in life or at this stage, whatever I'm doing, whether it's you're doing a YouTube or a podcast or reselling or whatever, that you have to consistently say yes. So there, there I think there is some truth to that. But yes, you can't say yes to everything. So we've yeah. got to land somewhere. And and I would say being, being just our opinion, being willing to say no, like just try it. Like it is so it is hard. When somebody comes to you, especially if it's like you don't want to let your boss down, you don't want them to think like, oh, maybe they're not a team player, whatever it is. But being willing to say like, no, I'm not going to do that this weekend. I have something else that, you know, if you can do that, it's so hard to do. But the more you do it, the more you're like, you know what? I'm in charge of my own life and my own. It's it's empowering. All right. I want to jump to 23. Uh, be interested in results. I like it. I think this is huge. And, you know. Right now, you know, we, it's so funny because I I, I want to go a podcast without saying Gary Vee, but I, I, I think there's value when he talks about eighth, eighth place trophies. I think this falls in line with this whole thinking because there's this, there's a mentality out there that, hey, as long as you work hard, you should be rewarded. But if you work hard at something and you do and, and it, it's not, you know, what it's supposed to be or it's not accomplishing what it's supposed to accomplish, then you shouldn't be rewarded. That's it. You know, I, I kind of think about one of the worst things that I think happened to my son, not the worst. Okay. I'm speaking in extremes, but I, I'll never forget. And you know, he was playing soccer and they got to the championship and they should have won and they lost. And they had this whole ceremony like rewarding them and a photo shoot and blah, blah. And these kids are like bawling their eyes out. And I'm like, why are you doing this to these kids? Like, let them feel the loss. Mm. Let them feel terrible <laughs> because that's, what's going to get them to the next level next year to make sure that they don't see what happens. They got complacent and they got to the championship and they got schooled. And I remember sitting there and going, this is terrible. Like I, I re or or I'll never forget watching my and you might disagree. I don't know. Let us know in the comments. Watching his coach cheer on the other team when they scored. And I'm like, stop it. Do not do that. That is terrible. Like, who are you? You sell out. Get off the field. <laughs> right? It just bothered me so much. And I think it's we gotta get past this whole I worked hard or I hustled and I hustled and I hustled. So therefore I should be rewarded rewarded. No. Like, I'll give you an example. Last Q4, I hustled and I hustled and I hustled. Guess what? I got rewarded, but I didn't get rewarded as much as I should have based on the hours that I put in. And why? Because I didn't do things right. There's some things I didn't have figured out. Now, this Q4, I, I intend to put in more hustle and I expect better results because I, I believe I, I figured things out that I should have had figured out last year. But results are what matter, not the amount of work you put in. I feel like I'm just on this diatribe right now. But I am so passionate about Preach. this. <laughs> because, you know, we get DMs all the time. It's like, hey, you guys, like I, I, you know, I put in 30 hours last week and I sourced all these items and I listed. And I'm like, well, you know, and I won't say this in the DM, but I'll say this because this is in general. Like, yeah. okay, did you source trash? Did you source things? Did you research? Did you look at comps? Did you do everything to make sure that that item was something that should have sold? Are your pictures are good? Or what's your policy? I should, dare I say, are you doing promoted listings? Like, 
Are you doing everything? Hey, on Amazon, did you make sure that, you know, Amazon wasn't on the listing? How many sellers were on there? Blah, 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 blah. And I can go on and on and on. And so when he says unsuccessful individuals attach great importance to the time they spend at work and their attempts at getting results. So true. Cause ultimately it doesn't matter as much as it, it's a, it just, it cuts to the core. You know, when you work, you know, 60, 80 hours a week and you didn't make as much as you thought you would like that, that sucks. Yeah. But it's, it's reality. Yep. Right. And then when it says, even if nothing happens, the difference between difference here is connected to the concept of being unreasonable. Let's face it, like it or not, the results are all that matter. hundred percent. Do not think that the amount of work should equal, you know, the amount of results. The market doesn't have feelings. It doesn't have feelings. Orlando right now has no feelings. <laughs> Your feeler got broke. You had one feeler <laughs> left and now it's broken. I, I, I just, it's, it, and it's hard because in education, we saw it all the time, right? Hey, you know, I, I spent 20 hours on this research paper. Well, yeah, but. It's you, not good. It, it wasn't good. I'm sorry. It's an, it's not the grade. You, it, you didn't do the work. Yep. You didn't, I mean, you didn't do the work. You put in the work. You didn't do the right work. Yep. And that's what matters. So in business, I would say in family relationships, in everything, like you could work your, your tail off and still fail. So you got to make sure, you know, you put in the right work. I like it. Okay. Right, I'm going to jump towards the end here to my favorite one. Number 32, be disciplined. Wow. wow. Okay. But I had a, I had a couple more. Can we go? A couple you can more? go back. Okay. But be disciplined. And, and I'm not going to talk a lot about this because, I mean, we, we've talked about all of these things so much. But um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that discipline discipline is more important 100% of the time than passion because passion ebbs and flows. And some people are lucky enough to have so much passion that they're disciplined in the things. But it's the discipline in the little things. It's the discipline in the stuff they're doing that makes them successful, right? Like Michael Jordan might have been passionate about basketball, but it's the fact that he was disciplined to shoot 100 free throws every day after practice. I'm pretty sure that was him. It was Maybe more it's than else, that, but yeah. Right? No, but, Dominic Wilkins has a similar story. I mean, there's plenty of people out yeah, there. So that, that's the point I'm trying to make is passion is great, but if you don't have the discipline to actually do the thing, you're not going to succeed. And the beautiful thing about discipline is even if you're like, you know what? I don't have the passion at the moment. If you are disciplined and you do the thing, you do the thing, you do the thing, you do the thing. Eventually, either you become passionate about it or you become successful and you become passionate about the success. Right. So discipline, discipline, you can control passion. You can't because there might be times you're like, I'm just not in it today. Mm, I don't feel like going to the gym. Repeat that. That's, but I'm going to go. That's that's good. I, I don't know if I can repeat it the same way. No. Hit the 30 second. No, it, it's no you know, passion. You can't control discipline. You can. Yeah. That's true. It's so as much as I hate saying that's true. It's true. Yeah, Because last episode you fought against me on that. Well, I still do. I still think passion should should definitely drive you, but you need discipline to get you through those gaps. Yep. You know? All right. So I just wanted to touch on 27, be highly ethical. I, really, I like that. I really like the way he put this because, and I'll just read it real quick and I'll just expound on it. He said, I know people who would never tell a lie or steal a penny who I don't consider ethical. I'm like, wow, where's he going with this? Right? Because they also don't bother to fulfill their families and friends. I mean, sorry, they, they don't bother to fulfill their commitments as providers of security and role models for their families and friends. If you don't go to work every day and do everything within your power to succeed, then you're stealing from your family, future, and the company for which you work. Whoa. Mic drop. Mic drop. 
And that's huge. And and again, I think this relates to Pure Author Podcast through and through. Like ultimately, we're responsible for ourselves and we're responsible for those that we're supposed to take care of. Right. Whether that be our spouse. And I'm not saying that that spouse doesn't have a say in it. Like that spouse hundred percent should be committed with you in doing that. But when it comes to kids, you have the responsibility. And again, I'm not saying spoil those kids. I'm saying, you know, raise them up in a way that they understand like what hard work and what he's talking about here, being ethical about providing and so on. So well, being a role model, I mean, that's one of the things that says there, right? Like that could be part of it could be work, but part of it could be a lot of things. Like one thing that I've been thinking a lot of is this idea of like cowardice, like how often it is that it's so easy to be. And I know that's a harsh word. And like people like kind of shrink back from words like that today, but like how easy it is to, to like, he's talking about ethically here to like, if somebody says something that you are fundamentally against to kind of not speak out against it or to not stand up and say, you know what? this thing and culture, this thing, like I, it's wrong. And like to show your family, like I stand for this thing. And it's really easy for people to kind of like back down and not stand up. So they, so your kids might hear you talking about something, but then when you're confronted with it, they, they, they see you back down from it. Oh, that's the worst. I mean, I've seen that happen with my own family. I've done it myself mm-hmm. or I'm like, yeah, I'm guilty. It happens all the time. Yeah. It, you feel terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible feeling, but it's so true. And again, we always say this, like, Again, you shouldn't be worried about what people think about you, but there needs to be a time and a place where you go, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I do whatever it takes to make it happen. Integrity. And he talked earlier about name, right? Like with the whole, like being omnipresent name, meaning something. And he says, his dad said like, nobody can take away your name. But I think what he was really getting at, or I I think what we're getting at here with the ethical thing is your integrity. Like people, if somebody thinks bad if they think badly about you but you are standing up for your 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 morals your your virtues you're consistent all of those things and you know you you're good and your family can look at you and say like hey people can think whatever they want but but this guy or this girl has stood up for what they believed in they've worked hard they've provided they've they've when they've made mistakes they've owned it they've apologized whatever it is when they see that and you've got your integrity it doesn't matter what you know, Sam Yahoo or whatever thinks on the street thinks about you. Like what matters is what you know about yourself because integrity is, is what you do when nobody's looking and that can't be taken away. You, you can be falsely accused. You can be in prison wrongly and still have your integrity. And that's something that can't be taken away. If you have it, if you don't have it, well, well then it can be, <laughs> you you don't have it to be taken away. So I guess the thing is here, have some integrity and that's hard to do. Yeah. But again, Relating to business, like ultimately, and we'll, we'll end on this note, you got to do what works. So if if 10Xing is definitely something that you're on board with and you can make it happen, then do it. If if you got a three exit, right? And, you know, Mike, Mike had talked about 10%. So one exit or two exit, right? Which I'm not, I'm, listen, 10X, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit, but 10X, like, what, what does that mean? That's huge, right? That, I mean, at the rate I'm at right now, I feel that I'm not 10 xing it. And if I 10 x it, there probably wouldn't be a podcast, right? I wouldn't be, re- I mean, I would just be a hundred, I don't know, 1000%. Why not? You can, you can have abundance in both areas. Yeah, we, but we do. We're reselling and we have the podcast. Yeah. You can have 10 x both. I, listen, okay. <laughs> Let's not end on that note. 
all I will say is, hey, listen, I definitely I do think it's a book worth reading. I think it's it's worth your time to spend and going, you know, these are things to think about. These are things that, you know, I can apply. And these are things that, you know, maybe I need to live a little bit more life and then figure it out a few years later. Yeah, that's but, good. But it's, you know, I appreciate you guys sticking with us with part three of the Level Up Review. Yeah, I've got one more. Quote oh, you got read. one more. Just, okay. Not, not, not one of the things, but this is like kind of how he ends his book. And I thought it was pretty good. He says, look around, look around you and you will see the world filled with average people, average thinking, and at best, average actions. Take another look. What you will really see behind this acceptance of average are people who have given up on their dreams and who cease to live with a dynamic purpose. They are instead willing to settle for whatever their estimation of normal is. When you're choosing the people whom you will learn from, look for the exceptional, those who stand out because of the way they approach their lives. That's great. And with that, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Until next week. Ladies. Ladies.